we learn from Superman and his vulnerability with kryptonite? That's the message that Andrew talks about in this next podcast. We talk about all things content creation, and we talk about the things that really build authenticity for people. Andrew shares three clear tips to help writers, whether you're a writer or not, overcome your writer's block. and actually helps you go through a journey about how you commit yourself to something that builds a habit longer term as you build. I love this conversation because from when Andrew and I first connected, we just talked about the podcast and how we could build something around content creation. Andrew's main audience is typically one-person businesses, small businesses, but actually I think some of the messages are really clear. We can apply to every area of our life and business, whether you're a small business owner or a large business owner, whether you're an individual or not. It's all about connection through stories. Andrew shares his stories around campfires. How do we create that campfire tradition to pass down the story where the emotions brought out for people? And how do we connect back to that? So listen out for some of his points there, and especially think about the Ryan Reynolds story he tells and why that story might be applicable to all of us as we build. So this is a great podcast. I loved recording again. Andrew and I have talked about doing it again later on in the season. See what you think. Tune back in later on. But as always, please remember to pass this on to other people. Who do you know that can benefit from listening to Sparks by Ignium? We have great conversations. I can't hold you to account for the messages that are going to land for you or the actions you take. But we want to look how we can build this to help other people. So please feel free to pass it on. Please leave a rating for the show. But most importantly, just enjoy it. Listen and learn. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Sparks Bagnin podcast. I'm Phil Rose, your host, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Ryder. Andrew and I met online and have conversations about the stories that we tell and how we can connect with emotions. The last time we talked was on 14th of February, Valentine's Day. And one of the key things I think will come out of this conversation is how we can build in emotional context to help people really connect with each other, which is quite apt when we talk about our Valentine's Day conversation. When I asked Andrew how would he describe himself, he said that he's an investor in relations. He likes to invest his time in relationships with customers, with people. But before he does that, he wants to understand why am I investing my time? What does it mean to invest my time? And how can I best produce the best results and best return for all of us out of that? And that in itself just intrigued me to want to know more. So I'm going to delve into the conversation and welcome Andrew to the show. Here we go. Andrew, welcome. Phil, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Now that introduction, when I said about investor relations, you told me a bit about that, but I wonder if we can just delve into that to start with, because uh, as I talked about, I was thinking, what does investor in relationships really mean? So yeah, to use sort of the layman's terms, I work with online coaches and course creators, and I help them create better content to make relationships with their audiences, to sell more programs, to grow their audience. And I don't like to say that I'm a coach or an influencer or a creator. I don't like to use a lot of the popular buzzwords in today's online business culture because I have really negative stereotypes of those types of words. I've worked with a lot of coaches and I've gotten ripped off. I've been lied to. I've gone through all of the sleaziest possible things, made all the mistakes that you could possibly yeah. make in online business. And so when someone says, they're an online coach or they're a creator or they're an influencer. There's an image that pops into my head and that's not the image that I want other people to think about when they're hearing about what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to differentiate myself from the, the traditional sort of uh, online coaching 
stigma where the, the idea is how can I create a course or a coaching program where I have to do the minimum amount of work possible. And mm-hmm. I just send you something, maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't. And then it doesn't really matter once I get your money, right? That's a yeah, lot of, <laughs> yeah. So the word that I've landed on is an investor yeah, and yeah. It, it really has nothing to do with your finances necessarily. It could, but Primarily, I'm investing in relationships with the people in my audience, investing in them and their businesses, helping them to grow their businesses, but also investing in improving my own health, uh, physical and mental health, investing Mm -hmm. in my own knowledge, my own skills. So when I'm thinking about what I can do to help people or to help myself, it's about what am I going to invest in? Yeah. to get that return. Love that. And, and I love that in terms of, you know, taking time to really understand what both parties are going to get from it, not just you, but actually making sure the other party gets in. And I think one of the things that you really said there, which really interests me is that we all see those people out there trying to sell you the, the, quick, get, the get rich quick schemes to say, look, we can create your content. I can find you a thousand leads. You know, everyone on LinkedIn is messaging every coach to say, if you're a coach, consultant, author, or speaker, I'll get you leads. I'll find you a deluge of, of, of leads to, to help you. And it's only going to cost you four hours of your time a month. Now, I'm not being skeptical, but we all see those. What you're saying there is actually you're not in that market. You're actually looking at how do you build that relationship. You're investing. But the key bit you said there is investing in the relationship so you and the other party get something from it. And I think that's something that's you know, very valuable there from, a, from an authenticity point of view. And one of the bits that, that you mentioned right at the end there, you're also investing in your health, your physical and your mental, mental well-being as well. I'm intrigued on that. And this is maybe a bit of a, a sideways slam, but wonder, tell me a bit more about that. So as a creator, as a business owner, as anyone who wants to accomplish anything, no matter who, who you are or what you do, mm-hmm. your health is a huge portion of that. If you are physically impaired, if you can't get up and go to work, if you can't get comfortable, maybe you have uh, tech neck, for example, you look down all the time. And so your neck, you know, your spine is all tightened up. Maybe your um, vertebrae are fused together. If you can't sit at your computer and you can't work comfortably, you're going to struggle to produce. Yeah. If it. you can't focus, if you're not sleeping enough, if you're not eating right, you're not going to have enough energy to really put your, all of yourself out there to really give it 100%. A lot of people Mm -hmm. value money as the most important thing. They think if I could just make a million dollars or if I could just get that next paycheck or that next uh, big client, then I'll have enough money to do whatever, to buy Mm -hmm. something so I can get more status on social media or, or maybe it's just invest in your retirement accounts or, or whatever it is, but you're, you're stacking up money to then do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. But what really matters is not having a bunch of money. It's, it's having time to do the things that you want to do. And and maybe the things that you want to do are working on your business. You know, for a lot of people, that's exactly the case. They just want to work on their business and they don't want to do a whole bunch of other things. And that's great. But it's, I would even take it one step further and say, it's not just your time, it's your energy. Because if you, if you have a lot of time, but you're tired or you're sick or whatever, if you don't have energy, your time is almost worthless. 
Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I find this fascinating because I, I've just spent the last 48 hours on a uh, on a personal development workshop since Thursday, Thursday lunchtime, UK time through till uh, three o'clock yesterday morning. Um, and one of the last bits on the last day, we talked about energy and we talked about how do you build that energy and how do you maintain your energy through through your life? But, you know, looking at it from a point of view of what you need to do to to um, create abundance in your cells, in your body to enable you to catch that energy and maintain your um, progression forwards and I think so this inter interesting conversation we talk about this when you mentioned the word energy because yeah. too many people think of wealth just being in financial terms and you know if I think about the audience for this podcast um, we're, we're going out to people who are typically business owners they are growing their business they want to scale or we find some people are just in their, they're interested in what we're talking about because we have this word purpose that sits behind it and I think mm -hmm. if we connect to that word purpose in terms of what does it really mean? Actually, we all, we all have a purpose, yet some of us haven't yet connected to what that purpose is. And I think when you talk about that thing about investing in yourself, that helps you really find out what your purpose is. And you can then release energy as a result of that, I find. Yeah, connecting with your purpose is one of the best ways to find additional energy and passion yeah. in the work that you're doing. And yeah. you know that just happened to me actually a couple of weeks ago. Since okay. the last time we talked, I uh, got a new idea for a book that I'm working on. And when I had, I, I when I made the connection, sort of between a couple of different ideas that I, I had been just workshopping in the back of my mind for a while. But when I made mm. that connection, it was just so exciting and invigorating. I was like, oh, I've got all these ideas now, and I want to. All I want to do is work on work on building out this book. Lovely. So it it you can definitely get a lot of energy just from having that passion and that purpose behind what you're doing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really key, isn't it? And actually, when you've got that and you connect to source of what it is, and we're going to come on to some of these things in a minute, but I think when you get it, it just unlocks a lot of things. Um, so, so tell me, when we talked before, we talked about this word content creation, and you talked about, you know, you're, you, you say you actually are a coach to those individuals. You're helping them, you're coaching through a journey. Um, and, and we often use that word coaching because I call myself a coach in terms of the executive coaching or business coaching space. You're a coach in, in terms of content creation and helping move their businesses forwards. Um, how did you get into this initially? What, tell me about your story to get there. So like I said at the beginning, yeah, I made every single mistake that you could possibly make as someone who's trying to start an online business. I have an engineering background um, went to college, you know, had sort of that traditional mindset. I didn't even know that entrepreneurship existed yeah. until one day I was gifted a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and opened up that book. Fantastic book. I loved it. Yeah. And I was reading it and I, I thought, how come nobody ever told me that this was an option that I could do something like this with my life? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just got so excited that I could start a business that I could do something, do something different, do something unique, but do something that was, I was passionate about and, and make a difference in the world, make a difference in people's lives and, and make money doing it. Yeah. And so I kind of, I went headfirst down the online business rabbit hole from that point. Mm -hmm. And I really got swept up in the sensationalism fell for a lot of the lies, a lot of the gimmicks and, and predatory type courses that are out there. Yeah. And over the course of that, and, and while I was for a long time, I was in that position that you were talking about where I wasn't connected with my purpose. I, mm -hmm. I was doing it just to try to make money and it was not working at all. <laughs> I was, I was really struggling and I was always, uh, I was really, I guess, envious of my wife, uh, at the time we were dating and yeah. 
she knew she had experiences and knew exactly what she wanted to do. And she was starting a business and I was helping her with, with content creation and with marketing and marketing automations and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I was always, I just wished I knew with the clarity that she had what I was called to do. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I hadn't really found my calling. Yeah. And over, you know, I, I took a, took a big step back from, from business for a while and really just helped her to focus on growing her business. And I really found that my passion and my calling is to speak to a lot of these issues, a lot of the things that we've talked about, but a lot of the misconceptions and a lot of the mistakes that people make when they're getting started in business. A lot of coaches and course creators get into business to try to help other people, but then they turn around a, a year later and they've become this anxious obsessed, unhealthy person. They barely even recognize the person they see in the mirror because of all the the decisions that they're told, they all the sacrifices they're told they have to Mm -hmm. make in order to become successful. You know, sacrificing things like health or relationships with family, or you have to be hustling all the time, or you have to be shouting on social media. A lot of these things, a lot of these mistakes that I made, and I, I learned the hard way. I see so many people making these mistakes all the time and just they're miserable. And even the successful people, even the people who are making six figures or they're making, you know, they're, they're doing well on social media. They're so miserable because they're comparing themselves. They're always comparing to the next level. You know, they're making sure they're making six figures, but they're not making seven. Yeah. And so they're miserable all the time. And it's, there's so many problems in this industry. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I want to, you know, that was the mission that I found and the purpose that I found. And that's what gets me excited to, to get up and yeah. go to work and to help people really to connect with their yeah. audiences in a way that's, that's intentional yeah. and trying to build that relationship. And just, instead of just doing anything that they could possibly do to make a transaction. Love it, love it, and, and and I love the you know when I talk about purpose, I'm a I'm a very simple coach. And I like to boil things down to one word. So the word I heard there come out was purpose, and that word authenticity came through that as well in terms of you know being intentional about it, getting really to connect to people, and make sure they can connect with their audiences in an authentic way so they can deliver real value. And, and to me, that's refreshing to hear because you know like, like you, I've been lots of these. I remember my first. I went to an, an, uh, an internet summit in 2007, which seems an awful long time ago when I think back there. Uh, and, and it was trying to sell the dream. It was trying to sell the dream of, you know, let's build this. And it was all before the, the, the crash that came the following year. Um, and, and when I think about the material there, it was good material, but the methodology of selling it was, was not authentic and it didn't land. And I think there were a lot of people in the room there looking to find their get rich quick scheme or build their internet business, grow up and as you say, find a six figure income without thinking about what their true purpose was or even their true customer in some ways. Um, and I think that's a, a, an amazing thing to think about moving on that journey. So, so the, the yeah. question I think that you said about you've learned the hard way. And I think one of the things that you and I talked about last time is this, this honesty in what you do. So, so what if you could just tell me a bit more about what is, it, what is it you do and how do you make your clients' dreams come alive authentically? So the first place to start is figuring out what that dream is, right? A lot of people don't actually know what they want because they spend too much time on social media, looking at what other people have or what other people tell them they should want. And it's easy to misconstrue those two things, whether you're 
pursuing something that you want or you're pursuing something that someone is persuading you to want. Mm -hmm. A lot of most of the things you're seeing on social media is like you say, it's someone else is selling you this dream. Here's mm -hmm. how you make, make a bunch of money. Here's how you live this abundance lifestyle. The first thing for me was to get clear on exactly what I wanted and how I wanted to run my business. Yeah, a lot of people take their, their business approach, their business strategy for granted. And they just say, well, so-and-so is doing it this way. So that must be the right way to do it. And they start to do all of these things that they don't enjoy doing. <laughs> you've yeah. you've got to really, you know, it's hard work, but you've got to want to do it. You've got to enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of ability to optimize around your own personal strengths yeah. rather than just doing something because someone else does it. Mm -hmm. So in content creation, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I need to be creating original video content. So then I can take those videos. I can transcribe them. I can rip the audio, put it on a podcast. I can use the video and, you know, break it down into all these different things. Yeah. But a yeah. lot of people struggle to just turn on their phone and just start recording a video and have perfectly, um, curated prose and good analogies and good stories. I I'm one of those people who, I, I have to write it down first before okay. I can speak to it on video. And, and a, a lot of people have this problem where they're trying to do something that they're not really good at. And they're trying to build this habit, build this, you know, do these videos when it would be so much easier for them if they were to just take the time in the morning to write it down mm -hmm. and focus on writing rather than video. Yeah. So that's just yeah. an example of, of, yeah. of how that comes in. I like that. And that's the strength. So, so the bit I hear there is get clear about what you really wanted to start with. And again, uh, a lot of the people who, who I've taught with and work with, you know, they've created a business, they don't understand what they're doing. But I think there's clarity around what you said there about helping people get clear on what they want up front, because otherwise they're chasing too many different things. Uh, and the phrase I always have in my mind that the, the, the eagle that chases two rabbits catches none. And I think at the end of the day, you've got to focus on the one that you can, you can catch, whatever that means to you. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I like that phrase too. <laughs> yeah. And it, and, it, and it resonates. You know, I've been there as well. And I set up my first business in 2000 and 2004. Uh, and I mentioned about going to, a, to an internet summit in 2007 because 2004, I had great ideas of building something. And I came up with lots of ideas about how I could sell what I was doing online. And it was a way of helping me get out of that corporate job and do something different and create a, a lifestyle business. Um, and I think at that time, you know, the, if I think back to 2004, the internet, yeah, it had been around for a few years, but it was still up and coming. Some of the brands we heard, we've heard of now didn't exist. Google, Facebook, they weren't there. We were dealing with other, other products. So, so I remember going on SEO courses and learning how to, to write code in Dreamweaver to build my first website. But actually, at the end of the day, I was trying to chase something that actually probably didn't exist at that time. Or if it did, I didn't have the knowledge of how to do it. So mm -hmm. I moved into in a different direction. But the key I'm hearing from you there is, you know, helping people get clear on it from day one. So the question is, how do you do that? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we, we start by just having an honest conversation, yeah. really. And, and part of that is in realizing that you may not know, you're, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to adapt along the way. Yeah, so yeah. we want to we want to take a step in the right direction, but we want to also realize that it's one step. It's not, we're not committing 
to anything for uh, the next 20 years, but we mm. want to take a step in the right direction, see how it feels, see if it's, if it's working, if it's working, take another step. If it's not working, take a step in a different direction. Yeah, and so we're iterating on this approach step-by-step step yeah. together. I like that. And, and the key bit there you mentioned iterating and i think you, you talk about you know helping people understand what they're, they're, they're what they want to be achieving but the key to what you're doing is helping with their content helping them build that story they're telling so so wonder if we can move on to that a bit in terms yeah. of you know that journey we go on because actually you know creating the business is one thing but actually then creating the story which i think of a positioning how do you get the positioning in place for your business um there's a great book uh which i read many years ago by by uh, Jack Reese and Al Trout, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, or mostly the other way around, uh, called Positioning, The Battle for the Mind. And the key there is how do you get your message across to somebody? Because actually you can have the best product in the world, but if you're not positioned in the mind of the consumer, as they say, nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's <laughs> going to flock to your door. Yeah, it's like the uh, the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. But unfortunately, that's, that's, not, the, uh, that's not the case, right? <laughs> so... So the, the key with storytelling is to realize that stories have been passed generally generationally for thousands of years before we had the ability to write and record history in books. Stories were passed orally, uh, sitting around a campfire or something is how I like to imagine it, where it's being told from yeah. sort of the, the village elders to the next generations. And so those, those stories get passed orally from generation to generation. And so as humans, we have this just innate mechanism for remembering and relating to and understanding stories. And you can see this from a really young age. Mm -hmm. If you watch three, four, five-year-olds, kids watching Disney movies, they can understand really complicated, complex insights about human nature that are being demonstrated in these movies. They can get a basic understanding of that from watching the way the cartoons are portrayed and the things that the the actors are saying and the way that the movies are constructed and and that's you know another way that i like to think about it is i can remember watching those disney movies as a kid but i can't remember the technical details in an article that i read last night because the story (laughs) is so easily easy to remember in my mind and you'll, you'll see this yeah. too with, yeah. with memory champions. There are people who can memorize, you know, tens of thousands of digits of the number pi by creating a mm-hmm. visual, what they call memory palace, which is essentially, it's a story in their mind where they can visualize this progression of different rooms or different objects and turn it into a narrative and so they, they memorize the narrative or they remember the narrative. They don't just memorize each digit of pi in order. And they can mm. walk through that memory palace that they've created and use that to remember yeah, yeah, the things. Be so story is, is a really mm. powerful mechanism just because of our innate wiring to, to connect to other people. So when you're, when you're creating content, mm. it's, it's really a no-brainer to use story to communicate these concepts rather than just publishing a long list of tips and tricks and things that people can use to, to um, solve their problems. And, you know, there's this quote I really like from Derek Sivers, who says that if information was the problem, we'd all be billionaires with six pack apps. (laughs) 
<laughs> I and love that. Yeah, it, you know, it's kind of a funny, funny quote, but the idea is that there's more than enough information out there. You can go and find five ways to create better content or, or a swipe file for better headlines or how to write, mm -hmm. you know, how to write SEO um, optimized articles or whatever you want to do. There will be a checklist and a whole bunch of tips and you can get a billion different search results on Google for exactly how to do that. So why don't yeah. we, yeah, right? Why right, don't we, why do we still have all of these problems as human beings? Why aren't we perfect? Why aren't we robots? If all the answers already exist, <laughs> right? And that's yeah. where the story comes in yeah. because it's, it's not just about putting it in a new light or, or making it in a way that's memorable, but it's in the inspiration mm -hmm. that the story can give you to inspire you to take action, to actually go out and solve that problem. So, so, so there's something key thing there in that you talk about the Derek Silvers quote there. I think this, you know, we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs. I think there's something there, isn't it? Because you're right. There's so much information. The internet has opened that up for us. So we can just find anything we want whenever we want it. But the key you mentioned there is actually about the story behind it, the inspiration. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, I've been listening to a, to a master storyteller weaving stories all weekend um, to build emotional connection. Uh, and I think he could have given us it all on a couple of sheets and we had gone away with the, 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 the information, but he didn't. He told stories. And I've got pictures in my mind of this gentleman doing that. And I think for me, what you're saying about that inspiration, that's the key, isn't it? To connect with your audience, to make sure they really understand and go away with the mental picture. A bit like you said about the you know, memorizing pi to how many thousand digits. You're going through that memory palace technique to create the story in your mind rather than memorizing one, number one, number two, number three. Because you know, for me, it's 3.141. That's all I remember. I don't remember yeah. the rest. And that's because someone drummed it into my head many years ago. But I don't have the next piece of it, which is the story behind it. So, so I love that thing about building the inspiration. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Because I think that's a, that's a key piece, this, isn't it? How do you build that? So this is where a lot of the storytelling experts really miss the mark. They, the common advice on social media is to just tell stories or mm -hmm. to go out and live an exciting life, um, maybe move to a tropical location. You can take a lot of, of high quality pictures <laughs> and paint this picture that you're just larger than life, going out on the town every night and just having all of these amazing experiences. But as most entrepreneurs, as most business owners know, most of the time you're sitting in front of your computer in maybe a dark office, maybe you have good lighting, but you know, that's something that some, some of us take for granted, yeah. right? My, my office is really dark, but we're, we're working, right? We're writing, we're having meetings, we're getting on podcast interviews, yeah, you know, yeah. we're chatting with, with other people in the industry. It's not all glamor and, and Instagram uh, photos. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, too right. The, the way that we can counteract that, and this is really good news for everyone who doesn't live in a tropical location, is by telling better morals of the story. Oh, okay. So the story is, is sort of directly explaining what's happening in maybe it's a, a TV show that you watched or a movie, right? They're explaining what's directly happening in terms of the, the hero and the, um, the problems they're trying to overcome and the mentors that they have. But the moral of the story is the lesson that you can extract from that story that has an impact on the viewer or on the reader's actual life. Mm. 
It's a lesson that can be pulled away and applied to your own life. And something that, you know, a good example of this is, um, I don't know if you watch many of the Ryan Reynolds movies on Netflix, but he's got, he's got a bunch of these Netflix movies that come out. Yeah. And one of them um, called Free Guy is this story about him being a basically a video game character where he's, he's programmed into the video game as what's called a non-player character, an NPC. Okay. And so basically his purpose is to get robbed and ripped off and taken advantage of by the actual people who are playing the game. And over the course of that movie, he's able to sort of break out of that mold and become, he's able to level up and become an actual player of the game. And I think a lot of people see the moral of that story is that a lot of people feel that way in life. Like they're stuck in this routine. They're stuck in a sort of hamster wheel where no matter how hard they run, no matter how hard they try, they're not getting anywhere. They're just spinning around. They're, yeah. they know they're destined for more, yeah, yeah. but they just can't figure out how to get there. And so that moral of the story that, that you can do it, that you can break free from that hamster wheel, you can effectuate real change in your life and that you can make something of yourself. Yeah. That moral of the story is really powerful. I love that. And so that was a movie that, that really spoke to me. But when you watch any of the other Ryan Reynolds movies, they're not very good. <laughs> the, 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 the ones that are being released on Netflix anyways, you know, he has good movies for sure. But if you look at like six underground yeah. comes to mind was an awful movie. Yeah. So it, it's not just the story. Yeah. It's not just driving fancy cars. It's not just going to a tropical location, but it's the moral of the story. Oh, that's that. what makes it so powerful. And, and ultimately it's how we judge a good story versus a bad story. Yeah, I love that. So, so, so there's real something there in that case. I'm picking up you know the storytelling is one piece, but it's the moral that sits behind it, which emotionally connects to the person, so they can relate to themselves being that non-player character, and then jumping out of that non-player old NPC, as you said, into a role that's got more meaning to it. So the moral that you can pick up and you go away with a lesson from it, rather than just telling a fast action-paced story, which entertains but does nothing else for actually for your soul, so to speak. Yeah. So the entertainment is obviously a huge part of that. As you say, if you're not entertaining, if you're not interesting, if you're boring, no one's going to listen to you at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to have an entertaining story, but it doesn't have to be uh, the, I guess the point of the, the Ryan Reynolds analogy there is that it doesn't have to be flashy. You don't have to have this bigger than life lifestyle. Yeah. You can tell any kind of story. You can tell a story about a movie you watched over the weekend. You can tell a story about taking your dog for a walk. And uh, I mean, I get these stories all the time because my, um, my dog and my cat do things that are just funny or strange, or they give little insights. I'm, I'm very self-reflective. And so I'm always looking at ways that I can improve my own life yeah. or ways in which I'm sort of deceiving myself. And I find that my, the things that I complain about that my dog will do are things that I do. <laughs> and I don't complain about it when I'm doing it, but I complain about it when my dog does it. And so things like that, where you can just get little insights yeah. into the, hu the human condition yeah. or, or into the way that you're acting or a, a story that has a great moral that you can spin into an idea that will then help your audience or will will change the way that your audience sees their problem. You know, we were talking about 
there's so much information out there, right? Why mm-hmm. don't we know? Why haven't we solved these problems? If all the information exists, yeah, why not? And a lot of times yeah. it's, yeah, a lot of times it's just reframing that problem and looking at it in a new way. A lot of times we're looking at the problem in the wrong way yeah. and we're trying the wrong things in order to solve it. Yeah, I love that. So if you can tell a story that demonstrates exactly exactly that, hey, this person tried to do these things in this way, but then they found another way to do it. And by changing, by making that mindset shift, by changing that approach and by doing these things, that's what got them to solve it. Yeah. You know, making that mindset shift and inspiring people yeah. to go out and take action. Yeah. That's, that's the, the power of the moral of the story. I love that. And, and it reminds me of Joseph Campbell's work in The Hero's Journey in terms of that person mm-hmm. who, you know, they, 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 they're the unassuming hero, but they find their calling. And then they realize actually they have that inner strength to do something different, but it takes something different in their life to do it. Uh, and I think that reframing is the bit you mentioned there, because that's the key to this. You know, reframing where you sit and how you how you're perceived, but also how you want to be perceived by other people, putting that message out. I think is the key bit. Um, you use that word connection again. I think that comes back. One thing you said just now is about connection, and you're connect pe- connecting people back. And what I'm hearing is this story you're weaving with people with the morals in there help you connect to you as well, because you're coming across very authentically to them. They're buying into your story. Um, and I think there's a, the key bit there. So, so how do you how do you teach people to do this? Because some people some people are great storytellers. You know, we've all know those people. We can sit around the campfire and hear those stories, and we'll sit there and just drift away as they tell it. Other people struggle to get their story out. How do you craft that? How do you help people pull their story out and get to that root of what they really are? So, there's a couple of mechanical things that we can do to help there, and there's also strategic, sort of higher level things that we can do. One of the main places where people who struggle with writer's block or people who really struggle to, they're sort of battling themselves to make the time to sit down and write, or they just feel like it takes forever. They can't get any momentum. They can't get into a flow state. Mm. A lot of times that's because they are combining three different things, two or three different things into their, what they call writing. Okay. And that would be idea generation, writing and editing. Okay. So these need to be three different things that you do. When you sit down to write, that needs to only be writing, which means you're not looking up synonyms or you're not trying to change Mm. words around. You're not really ever hitting the backspace key. You're not deleting anything. You're not editing. You're also not sitting there for 30 minutes trying to figure out a topic to write about, but you're sitting down and you're opening up, you know, I just have a notes app uh, on my phone Mm -hmm. that I keep all of my ideas. And so as I'm going about my day, if something pops into my head, I'll just write it down. And I've just gotten into this habit of always seeing different ideas and different lessons and stories and things that I can tell uh, or that I can spin into a good moral, a good lesson for my audience. So, but but that's a, that's sort of something you have to do intentionally at first. Yeah. Until it becomes a habit. So then when you sit down to write, you pull up your notes app, you say, oh, that that sounds good. You know, I want to write about that today. And it takes you 10 seconds. You know, a lot of times I don't even have to pull up my notes app because I will have had a good idea from the prior day. And I'm excited to sit down and and just start writing. So I just jump right in writing, writing, writing. I'm not editing. I'm not really thinking. And the first couple, you know, the first hundred words maybe is not that good. (laughs) it's not my best work, but I work through it. 
And a lot of times I don't want to sit down to write. You know, I think there's a misconception that writing is just this amazing experience and that it's so fun and that everyone, (laughs) maybe people who write a lot love doing it. And I have sort of a love-hate relationship with writing because most of the time I don't want to sit down and write. Right. It's hard and it's you're constantly exploring the edges of your understanding, the edges of your imagination, and you're really making it clear where you lack uh, ability. That's interesting. (laughs) But once you get past that first 100 words or 200 words or whatever it takes and you get into this flow state where these ideas are coming at you and you're making connections and you're discovering new ways to bring ideas together, new ways to frame something out for your audience so that they can improve and they can learn from it. Mm -hmm. That's where you really get the gold in terms of the quality of content, but it's also where you have the most fun. And that's where you just feel alive in that, in that experience of, of writing. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And it's interesting, even just watching you there, you can see yourself coming alive as you're talking about that. You know, your facial expressions are changing, your, your tone is changing. There's a real energy boost in there. And, and <laughs> so, so I love that in terms of that state. And, and you've got three really clear tips there. Don't combine idea generation with writing or with editing. Do one, then do the next, then do next. Don't try and put them all into the pot and do it together. And I think that's a fascinating piece in terms of, coming up with the ideas, then writing about it. And, and the next bit you said there was just write. And the first hundred words or so may just be complete rubbish, but you just got to get into that process because actually you just got to do it at the end of the day. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that is, that's sort of the mechanical piece yeah. that's really going to help you if you're struggling with writer's block or if you just struggle mm-hmm. to get out of the gate. Yeah, so I've had so many days where I just didn't want to write and I'm fighting myself the whole time. Um, Even the night before I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to sleep in tomorrow. I don't want to get up. I just don't really feel like it. And the whole time fighting myself until I sit down and I, I was able to just get through that first 15 minutes And at the end of it, looking back, it's like, wow, I'm so glad I sat down to write today because I had this great idea and, and it was totally worth it in hindsight, but I still fight myself all the time. I didn't want to get up this morning and, and write. (laughs) So it's, you know, something else that's really important too, is just keeping that consistency and building that habit of doing it regularly. For me, it's, it's six days a week. Yeah. Um, I'll usually come in on Sunday afternoon and do a little bit of writing, not every Sunday, but okay. Monday through Saturday is writing time for me first thing in the morning. Wow. And the reason for that is because it's easier to do it every day than to only do it a couple of days a week. So it's, it's so hard to create these rules and these different routines for yourself because you're constantly battling against that voice in the back of your head that says, oh, you could take it easy today. You don't have to do it. it it's, you don't want to give yourself any opportunity to talk yourself out of it because you will. James Clear's book, uh, Atomic Habits, at the end of the day, you just have to do those little small things, put them in place and just continue to do them regularly. And, and when you said, you know, you're writing six days a week and you're coming in on a Sunday to get a game, there's a real journey of building there to build that habit muscle to keep you on track effectively, which I love. So just, just commenting on that, I think it's amazing. Yeah. So I got the way I got started 
was in 2020, I made a new year's resolution to write every single day, right? 365, uh, short articles. Uh, you could call it a blog post. You could call it an email. It could be a social media post for me. It was emails, but I wanted to, I was reflecting on some of the marketers that I really respected Seth Godin, Russell Brunson, Ben settle, you know, a lot of those guys are religiously publishing every single day. They're Mm -hmm. sending an email every single day. They're creating a blog post every single day. They don't take Sundays off. They don't take any days off. They're publishing, you know, five or 600 emails every year. Right. And I thought, okay, maybe 600 is a lot to start. Let's just start with, see if I can do one every day. Mm, And that really scared me. I, before that I was struggling to write for, uh, for, articles a week. (laughs) And I, before that, you know, I was working primarily on my wife's business at the time and we were putting out content on Instagram and we together, the two of us would, would struggle to put together, you know, three or four pieces of content every week. And so when I, when I thought, okay, if I'm going to really get serious about, because, because this is, this was when I started speaking up about a lot of the problems that I, that I had felt that were someone needed to speak up about the problems that are going on in, mm. in the online business industry. Okay. I said, okay, I need to publish every single day in order to, if I'm really serious about this, I need to go all in on it. Lovely. lovely and, love that. and so that really scared me. I, I did not think that I could do it, but I just started with day one. I think I started with like a 30 day, here's 30 ideas for the next month. And you can just something to get me into the habit of actually yeah. writing every day. Okay. But I, I was scared because I couldn't, I couldn't come up with topics for a week, let alone topics for a month or a year, but yeah. it was really that consistency and, and just doing it one day at a time. And yeah. if I could come up with a topic today that I could write about tomorrow, that was a huge win. Wow. wow. So two things that, yeah, two things that really helped me there. One was yeah. taking maybe five or 10 minutes at the end of each day to reflect on the day and just think, was there anything that happened to me today that I can write about tomorrow? That really helps to build that idea generation muscle to the mm-hmm. point where you don't even have to take that time. I don't do it anymore. I just notice it in the moment and I pull out my phone and I write it down. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm constantly building a list of ideas. That was really helpful. Love it. And then just being consistent. One of the things that I realized, you know, I, by the end of the year, I had basically put together, I did like 330. Um, emails. I didn't quite do 365, but I consider that a win. I built the habit. I got, um, yeah, got into that, that mindset and that routine, but I also, you know, the human mind just thinks about things so linearly. We think that by the end of the year, we'll have 365 blog posts, but it wasn't just the articles that I wrote. It was Mm. the two or three, uh, I wrote like two and a half eBooks, that I was able to publish just by combining different emails and doing a little bit of editing. Uh, I was able to start a monthly uh, training program that I did like eight episodes of that. I was publishing video content based on just all of the other articles and things that I was writing. And so that one little habit just turned into a massive amount of content just by changing up the medium or combining or mix and matching different things. And so the, you know, we think it's going to be linear, but it's really 
grows exponentially. And the more yeah. that you keep doing it, the more that you keep the habit, the more little building blocks. I like to think about them like Legos. Yeah. You know, I when that. I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, we'd get these Star Wars Lego kits. Yeah. We'd, we'd build the Star Wars Legos and play around with them for a couple of days. But then eventually we would take them apart and build new Lego creations, build our own spaceships and our own things. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what I like to do with content is you, you build it once, but then you take it apart and you build something new with it. I and then you that. take it apart and you build something new again. And so you're constantly reusing these ideas yeah. and mixing and matching them to create new things. I love that. What an what amazing story. And it's interesting, actually, because I think too many people get stuck in that mindset of, um, I've got to, got to write, and they don't think about those other things. So there's some key lessons, I think, for any listener out there in terms of, you know, first one is, you know, come with those ideas and looking at your day you've just had and working out, you know, what was it you could write about for the following day? committing yourself at the beginning of the year or at a period of time to say I'm going to do this I'm going to write one article a week uh, a day and you you know you created Russell Brunson or Seth Godin in terms of, you know they're putting out 600 plus articles but actually you said okay let's aim for 365 and you came up with 330 and hey that's an amazing thing because most people might get 30 articles a year or 12 <laughs> articles a year one a month so actually you've got that amazing journey but the next bit I think I love there as well is taking the articles and dissecting them and say, okay, how can I use this bit for a bit of video content? How can I use this bit for an article or another blog post? And, and I love your Lego analogy. Come back to the stories you're telling there. I've now got the picture of the Star Wars Lego box. But actually what you're doing is you're building something else. Out of it. This is what it says on the tin, but you're building something else. You're creating something. So that idea sticks in your mind. So it's a really lovely story there. Um, and interesting, actually, I was going to, I wrote down here, about how would I ask you about measuring success? But I think you've said it already in terms of, you know, you're setting yourself a target of doing one a day and you only did 3.30. <laughs> but that's an amazing story, isn't it? Because actually you set this high, but you achieved something massively more than you'd ever thought of doing before. So, um, so there's a lovely journey there. Yeah, it's kind of like the cliche of if you, if you aim for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land amongst yeah. the stars, right? Yeah, And it. um yeah, I think with measuring success, there are a lot of a lot of pitfalls. And I think I think we've alluded to what may be the right approach for most people, yeah. but um we can we can spell that out a little bit. So a lot of people measure success based on comparing to other people on say Instagram, which is very problematic because most of what goes on Instagram is the most highly curated, the best quality, the most amazing experiences. It makes you feel like if every moment of your life isn't complete bliss, then you're just, you're, you're living a horrible existence and you're doomed forever. So realizing that and, and realizing what you're comparing to is, yeah. is really important because you'll, you know, they say, uh, I'm, I'm going to totally butcher the the quote, but there's a, um, there's a book that I really like called the Almanac of Naval Ravikant, which is a collection of, of interviews and tweets. And, and, um, I don't know if you know Naval Ravikant, but he's an angel right. investor. He's, he's very wise and, and very articulate in his presentation of a lot of good ideas around business success and in, in finding happiness as well. Okay. And, and one of his ideas is that Basically, ha uh, comparison is is where you lose your happiness. If mm. you are judging your current state in comparison to someone else's current state or into something that you perceive to be someone else's current state because of 
how they pr promote uh, present themselves on social media, you're losing out on that happiness. But mm -hmm. when you think about w the times that we're most happy, you never realize that you're happy. You never, you're never in that moment thinking, wow, I'm just so happy right now. Yeah. The only time you're thinking about how happy you are or are not is when you're miserable yeah, because yeah, when you're you happy, you're yeah, exactly. And, and when you're happy, you're just in the moment, you're just living life in the moment, enjoying it in relation to the, you know, the people you're with or whatever you're doing, but you're not thinking about, Oh, I wish I was happier. I wish I had more money. I wish my business was bigger. I wish I was getting more likes on my Instagram posts or, or whatever, right? You're not thinking like that at all. You're just enjoying the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and, and I'll make a connection to that in the, uh, in the show notes, actually. So afterwards we'll ask you about you know, how to go find that, that link for the almanac. So I think it's some interesting things there. Um, but I love the quote, nothing else, you know, at the end of the day, however it comes across, you know, comparison is where you lose the, your happiness. And I think there's a real thing there, isn't it? Because we've all seen it. And I see it in my kids today, you know, looking at, you know, everyone's beautiful pictures on Instagram or on the, watching the TikTok movies. And we all saw it during the last two years, the pandemic, where everyone was yeah. out there doing stuff. There weren't many people showing the warts and all story of what was really going on. But those who did were the authentic ones that people could really connect to. And I think that's where the stories come alive in terms of, you know, what can you do and actually talking about the honesty of what was going on. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good point that you bring up and that, you know, really ties back to what we're talking about here with storytelling and with mm -hmm. creating content, being authentic in a world where so many people are trying to have this heavily curated um, narrative that they're creating. That's, yeah. that's leading people to think in a certain way, the value of vulnerability and authenticity is, has grown so much. Yeah. yeah. And I like to tell this story about Superman. Um, you know, a lot of people think that Superman has, has sort of always existed in his current state, but the original Superman did not, Kryptonite did not exist when Superman was created as a superhero. He had the ability to, you know, originally he was really strong and mm. then they started to give him more powers. You know, he could fly, he could lift. Uh, he was, he was very strong. He could shoot laser beams from his eyes. He had x-ray vision. He had all of these powers. But the problem with that was that Superman was invincible. He could not be defeated. And so the comic actually lost a lot of traction with the viewers yeah. because there was no hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. To connect it back to Joseph Campbell. There was no question in anyone's mind whether or not he would be successful because mm -hmm. it was impossible for him to lose. He couldn't be defeated by any enemy that, that ever had existed in any of these comics. And so people yeah. stopped they lost interest because it wasn't, it was an inhuman story. You know, yeah. as humans, we, we know that everyone else is, everyone has these vulnerabilities. And the more you try to cover them up, the more perfect people seem, the less we trust them. That's because true. we know there's something they're hiding because no one is perfect. Yeah. And so actually with Superman, they invented kryptonite intentionally to give Superman a weakness in order to save the comics, in order to save Superman. Wow. You see, Superman's vulnerability is actually what makes him relatable and what made the comics successful. It's what make the movies wow. successful because without kryptonite, no one is, no one is reading or watching the stories because they yeah. already know what the outcome is. They know that he's going to be successful. That's amazing. Now, I know I didn't know that story, but it's an amazing story there, isn't it? So there's two things about for me there. You've told a story which people will be able to reflect back on and connect to as well. So just in the purpose of you telling that story, 
there's a moral in that for every, all of us, I think, in some ways, about connecting back to authenticity. So, so listeners will go away for that, really, whether you like or not, Superman or not, you know, we'll all understand what kryptonite means, and we'll all understand what your kryptonite is. And so look at your authenticity and be yourself, be vulnerable, because that's the connection. And you said about there, it saves the comic. I think it can save people's businesses by being authentic, finding your own kryptonite, because that's the key that I'm taking away just from your simple story there, which is amazing, the strength of that little piece of anecdote there. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think that, uh, you know, I definitely try to practice what I preach. I don't yeah. try to come out here and just tell you what you should be doing while I'm doing something completely different. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just want to share what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that. I'm glad you, you picked up on that, uh, that story and moral there. But um, yeah, I think that with people are afraid to be vulnerable online, especially yeah. with the hate that you can get and just the negative negativity and the comments and things. But I, by leaning into, I think if you reframe vulnerability as mm. like, yes, it, it makes you vulnerable, but it also makes you more human. It makes you more relatable. And if you're trying to build those relationships with the people in your audience, instead of just making a transaction, instead of just trying to get yeah. their money from them, you're going to find that, the the negative comments are really you don't get as many of them as you think and it's not from someone who is going to buy from you anyways it's not coming from a customer it's not coming from anyone who really has any right to tell you yeah. anything about you or your business and when you realize that it's you know it still stings but it's it makes it more manageable yeah. and when yeah. you realize how much you're helping the people who really lean into that message that's where the the value comes because i think that's where the that's where about you know the connection comes but come back to that connection because that's the connection that people really want to see it's actually that basic stuff yeah um, and vulnerability so so look we've, we've talked about lots of different things and we're, we're coming to the end of the podcast here and uh just having this conversation Andrew, you know it's the type of thing that maybe we should come back and have another conversation to go into more detail because i think we've only skirted around the edges of some of the things and the value you bring to yeah. to your audience so so maybe that's the conversation we have out of here um, but but let's look at wrapping up now in terms of some of the things. There's a there's a couple of key nuggets I'm taking away this, from this around the connection about authenticity, about the habit building, uh, about committing yourself to a year of writing the articles, but all the wonderful stuff that came out from that. So so you've told me lots of things already. I wonder if you could give listeners one or or even three more tips what would, what would be your simple nuggets you say hey, these are the things you really need to take away to go and do something with what, what would what would come to mind and often the question i ask is what would you like to change about what you did in the past to help you go forwards and what tips would you give around that perspective so i think this will provide a little bit of a different framework for a lot of the things that we've already talked about and there will be some overlap, but I think it'll be a little bit different. So hopefully I'll answer your answer your question here, but to give you three things, and and these are things that I wish that that I knew. Yeah. Um, and they're also things, this is this is basically the framework that I teach. So the first thing is to get clarity on the content that you're consuming. Okay. What are what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching and why? Are, are these things helping you to go in the direction that you want to go? Or like we talked about, are you getting influenced to go in a direction that you know is not the right direction for you? Or are you 
tuned into way mm. too many things that you don't even know what direction you're going in. Really curating down that list of people who you allow to influence you. If, if you think about it from that perspective, rather than, oh, I'm just scrolling on my feed, think about it in terms of you're allowing these people to influence your mind, yeah. influence yeah. your life. Do you trust them? Do they have your best intentions at heart? Yeah. Really curating that list yeah. of who is who you're allowing to communicate to you. That's going to help you get on the right track. It's also going to help you to find the right Lego building blocks. Yeah, okay. Within those content, those ideas. And that's going to take you to the next step, which is to curate what you are consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the best ideas, remix them, pull out a moral that relates to what you teach, yep. mix and match them, pull them together, synthesize ideas, take something that you learned from one person in, in a video and match it up to a similar story or a similar idea yeah. that's coming from a movie that you watched on Netflix. Pull all these different Lego blocks together and start building your own love creations. It, it. And you come back to that right. Lego again. So I love that. There's a connection there. Lovely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the final piece would be creation. Okay. So it's taking all of those Legos and putting them together in a new way, in a way that's authentic to you, that's vulnerable. It's sharing your story or it's sharing mm. the message, the purpose that you want to share, the, the things that you want to help people to achieve, the problems you want to help them solve. Yeah, yeah I love that. So, so there's a whole load of things. That I, and, and I love that thing about getting clear on the content you're consuming, because you're right, we're all inundated with content, wherever we're looking, it's around but actually being focused on what is the content I want to be hearing? What is the content I want to be reading? What is the content I want to be watching? Because at the end of the day, as you said, they're all influencing you. So make sure you're being influenced in the ones that are appropriate to what you're doing. That thing about curating it. So actually, you know, understanding where it's coming, pulling out the morals from each piece. Love that because often we don't do anything with that. So, so you know, the, the phrase I've often used in the past is having a swipe file, but making sure you've got a swipe file mm -hmm. for the right stuff that you can do something with in the future. And then a final piece you mentioned about the creation. To me, there's something there around, you know, building the story out, creating it. And it, and it comes back to your three steps earlier. Generating ideas is a task in its own right. Do that in isolation of the writing. Do that in isolation of the editing. Because otherwise you've got too much going on and you won't actually have the chance to really create and build the rest or best stories. So I love that. There's a the wonderful story there. Thank you. Um, I, yeah. yeah. And, and I love that in terms of, um, you know, you pulled out the three nuggets and I think I, uh, I missed my question actually when I was saying that earlier because I was asking you two questions and one was, you know, what are your top three tips? But also then what was the, uh, the key learning you'd go back and tell the younger self? And I think you've said that in the, in the sense of, you know, this is what you would do. This is how you do it. Because at the beginning, you said you learn by making mistakes. You learn by picking up the wrong material and, uh, and dabbling in lots of little things. But actually, you've now got clarity around that. So, um, so I think that's a, a great piece of advice there. Three tips to build. How would people find you? Where do they go and find Andrew Ryder? You can find me on my website, andrewbryder.com. I publish a daily newsletter that speaks to a lot of the things that we've talked about here. It's creating more authentic and valuable content for your audience so that you can grow it, so yeah. that you can get more customers and you can help them get amazing results. I also talk a lot about a lot of the problems that We've been talking about on this show, a lot of productivity, health, and fitness, 
and a lot of other things that we don't necessarily think of as sort of business strategy or business advice. But like we talked about at the very beginning, that health and the productivity and a lot of these other things are really build the foundation upon which you can build your own business or your own personal empire, if you will. Yeah, love that. I love that. And that's a great story. Actually. Um, so, so this has been a wonderful conversation. It teaches me lots of things. And, and it's interesting how the universe conspires to give you what you need. I was only saying last night to my friend George, um, when we we're doing our workshop, that one of the things I want to learn to do more of is build more stories. Yeah. So it's opportune that yeah. you and I have talked. And I know we had this in the diary. Uh, and he said, Phil, you tell good stories already. But I, and I think what you've said is just the key is it's about segmenting your time, ideas, write it and build this build the next stage because i think if you're not doing that you're getting confused in your mind so actually you've come at the right time the universe has given me <laughs> what i needed but i think there's more there's more i want to learn so i'm going to go awesome. look at the website um and, and it, let's have another conversation at some stage because i think there's some real key nuggets here you know in the podcast sparks awakening we're talking about um what i call cultural things and commercial things and i think what you've done you've built the two together there the cultural piece for you is around you know the authenticity the 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 understanding where your vulnerabilities are connecting with your audience at a real emotional level and the commercial piece is if you do this right you'll build the commercial business you want but you can't do one in isolation of the other you've got to have the cultural the vulnerability and that will enable you to get to the next stage so i really love that as a story so thank you yeah yeah you know and maybe that's a good um would definitely love to come back and chat with you again and i think that is the jumping off point i, I don't want to i what you just said there about merging the the uh the cultural and the commercial is uh, i have a lot of thoughts on that okay. so i won't dive into it here today but maybe a little teaser for next time <laughs> yeah, sure. Pick that one up. Well, brilliant thank you well andrew thank you very much it's been wonderful speaking to you and um I look forward to connecting again. And uh, if listeners have got comments or questions, they can find you at andrewbrider.com. All that is information will be in the show notes later. And I'm sure uh, we'll be able to connect later in the future. So thank you, Andrew Ryder. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Uh, had a great time being on here with you. Thank you. So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating or send us an email to sparks at ebmconsult.com.